the female spirit tends to give, but now it's also time to receive. Receive the courage to acknowledge the power within. Welcome to Empower with Sisters, the podcast on how voices can mobilize change. sitting on the shore of Luangwa River at Croc Valley Camp in South Luangwa National Park. And it's such a beautiful scenery. While having breakfast, you can watch the hippos and elephants relaxing by the river. So if you hear some weird noises, that might be an elephant knocking on our door or a monkey trying to steal our food. So that was it about the sound. But also, I have the pleasure to meet with an amazing woman, a woman who dedicates her life to fight for improving the lives of other women and girls in rural Zambia. She's called Zambia's menstrual health champion for her engagement in educating girls about menstruation. She is also the gender manager at Project Luangwa to spread the word she was invited to speak at the UN earlier this year. Welcome to Empower with Sisters, Vilane Banda. Thank you very much for having me. And um, I'm so excited to share my experience, my journey and how life has been anyway. And growing up to be a girl, a young lady and now slowly becoming a woman, <laughs> uh, it's been amazing yeah. uh, despite challenges. But I mean, life has been uh, positive, helping mm. girls seeing them to be where they are at the moment. Yeah, and we're yeah. really happy to hear about your journey. Yeah. So please tell us more about yourself. So, well, I was born and raised in Chipata, the next town, which is about 120 kilometers from Mfue. Um, Mfue is in South Luangwa, and it's one of the uh, national parks, the 19 national parks in Zambia. So uh, those who've never been in a national park, well, it's an area where you have uh, wild animals. And uh, we're talking about lions, elephants. Um, we're talking about hippos. Yeah. So we live here like on a daily basis when we just people in our windows, you can happen to see a baboon <laughs> or an elephant, for example. Mm. So it's quite amazing to be here. So, um, like I said earlier on, I was raised in the next town in Chipata. Mm. And then um, I did my secondary school just within this eastern region. And then I went to further my studies at the University of Zambia, where I studied as a social worker. Okay. So, uh, in the last 14 years plus, I've built my career in the rural most areas of Zambia. Yeah. Reasons being that I feel there's so much need in the rural areas and uh, there's little access to such uh, uh, personnel like a social worker. Mm. Because like in our uh, setup, like in our culture, it's 
there's less a fraction of somebody who can listen to you. There's always somebody who is available to talk at you mm. and less people to listen to you. So I felt being a girl who wasn't a privilege to have somebody who could listen to me apart from the fact that I had both my parents, yeah. both of them working and having less time to like interact with me and then and my other siblings. Mm. So I went off to a boarding school, went to university all alone, and then I find myself in this society, and then I don't really have somebody who can listen to, for example, according uh, to the setup of being a girl, when you're growing up, there are a lot of uh, physical things that are happening within you, and then mm. there are a lot of psychological things happening within you. Yeah. So you have less people to listen uh, who can listen to you. So I felt working in the rural areas where girls have got uh, less opportunity, I can provide that service to them. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's been a, a great journey for me because uh, I feel the impact of whatever I do. Uh, whatever I touch to, I can see a result to it. Mm. Being in an urban area, there's uh, so many services that you can access, a lot of clinics, a lot of uh, maybe counselors or social workers around. And then whilst being in a, a very rural setup area, you're like the only one. So the first time I, I went to work in a rural area, I was very much overwhelmed because I thought maybe I'm going to sort out people's problems. And then on top of it, it crushed me because mm. um, I was like the only person available. I was the only hope. But oh. with time sharing my experiences with other people and then people think, oh, wow, I need, we need to spread the wings in the rural areas. Yeah. We need more social workers. But unfortunately, a woman of my age mm. in this uh, setup in Zambia wouldn't want to stay in an area where there's no quick Wi-Fi. We don't oh, want yeah. to stay in an area where there's no electricity, <laughs> for example. Yeah. We don't want to stay in an area where there are no shopping malls. Everyone wants mm. just this fancy life. Exactly. But I mean, it calls for the passion that you have yeah. towards the community that you want to serve. You sacrifice a lot to be able to it, work here exactly. in the rural areas. Exactly. And yeah. uh, I just loved it, just like I've said, to say I feel the impact that I'm making because mm. I see these girls from being a shy and then standing tall, feeling confident, mm. able to share their experiences with the other girls so that we can break the chain of um, silence. silence. Yeah, exactly. you really feel like the person that are able to listen exactly. as a person that you felt mm -hmm. that you lacked when mm -hmm. you grew up. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, so tell us more about the project that you're doing here in South Luangwa. So moving to South Luangwa was uh, quite a very positive uh, thing to me because uh, earlier it was just a place where it was a destination for holidays like two days and then off or go back home mm. and then not until I had the opportunity to come and work here so f for me there was a huge change in the first year because the other rural areas where I had worked I felt they were a bit advanced with this area mm simply because there have been less uh, non-governmental organizations implementing sexual reproductive health and rights issues. Mm. Most of the things that have been implemented here has been just conservation. So it's all about human, wildlife, conflict, and really not focusing on this human being, on whatever is happening to them in terms of their like sexuality or any other issues that are affecting them psychologically. Mm. So when I moved to this area, I thought, oh, well... 
what am I going to champion here? So I had to unlearn all the theories that I had from the past ah. and then starting a new uh, page here, yeah. uh, trying to learn their language. It's Nyanja, a bit different, yeah. but I had to learn it. I had to learn what they believe in. I also had to learn uh, some of their practices. And I mean, uh, being a person who is an implementer of a project, I think it has taught me the fact that I need to get to learn what these people are believing in so that I don't tread on their toes. Mm. So implementing uh, the project for the girls in, in the valley here, it was something very new for me. Mm. Because I found all these girls, um, some of them are like with a level of uh, confidence, a bit like I can rate it up to maybe 40%. And then some of them, I would say maybe 15 or 10%. And then we all had a fresh start. Okay. And then so building everyone in the last four years has been like of a great and huge impact in my life and in the life of the girls. Mm. So at Project Luangwa, we do some differently from any other. We are a non-governmental organization. We believe in championing uh, uh, the rights of the girls as well as the rights of, uh, of, of women. Mm. But we also saw the gap to say, as much as we empowering these girls with the knowledge and with whatever they have, there are boys and men out there who they are going to face when they go back in their communities. Yeah. So we're targeting the girls in schools. We talk to them, well, you have to be assertive, you have to be brave, you have to be confident. But if they go back home, they mm. have these men who say, oh, well, you just sit down, you're just a girl. So as uh, years started progressing with the project of the girls, we thought, well, we're just building the bridge halfway. Why not... Um, asking the boys or why not inviting the boys and the men on board so that they can also listen to whatever we air out as we sit in our safe spaces as girls. And you're changing the attitude that men has mm -hmm. towards women. Yeah. How do you do that? So um, having men on board, I would say it's not really an easy goal, but uh, I think the approach that we use by involving them in whatever we do has proved right. So we started the boys clubs in 2016 uh, when we had people who came from Zimbabwe in 2015 who uh, uh, expressed to us how the boys in their country have changed from the negative thoughts that they've had towards the women and to the positive. So we had boys airing out their views where they said what they thought about the girls. And then later on, after having a series of discussion with the boys, we invite the girls on board as well. So it's all about, in the beginning, building trust. Mm. If the girls are going to trust the boys with certain type of information, mm. then both are sex, they're good to go. Mm. But if none of us is going to trust the other, then there's nothing that we're going to do. So in the beginning of everything, the beginning of a project for the boys, we had to build trust with the boys. Mm. We said, boys, we just want to hear what you say about us in your own private conversations. And the girls were also like, we just want to say out everything that we say about boys in our private conversations. And there was no war in it because, I mean, 
both parties had to air out how they felt. And then in the end, the boys were like, oh, anyway, we were wrong that you are this. And the girls also were like, we were wrong when we are this. I mean, we, we need to build this together. If we're not in this together, then there's nothing that we're going to be doing because it will just be like war between the male and the female. So the approach of inviting the, the boys to the table of the girls and the girls to the table of the boys has really proved right to us because we, we, we felt that we've not been giving each other the chance. We girls maybe have been in the fighting mode to say, oh, well, these boys are, tra- uh, are treading on our on our rights. Yeah. And the boys are saying, well, why do you even want the rights? Mm-hmm. But together when we sit and uh, air out however way we feel without injuring somebody's feelings, then we are good to go. So yeah. in the last uh, two years plus, having the project of the boys has seen the boys uh, changing from the mindset that they have about girls not being um, who they want to be to saying girls can also do it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. Because you showed us a movie earlier from yeah. the project yeah. and the the men were really changing mm-hmm. their uh, perspectives yeah. on how women live their lives yeah. and that women can also do stuff. Mm-hmm. And they, one guy said, oh, I can get advice from a woman. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that was really amazing to see how they were um, evolving. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that's one project that you have, the the girls' club and the boys' club. And also you're called the menstrual health champion. (laughs) Why? So, well, it all started with uh, Project Luanga making the washable reusable sanitary towels in their craft shop. So... uh, with we we've got a uh, part of a project we run a sponsorship scheme where we send both boys and girls to secondary schools so we discovered that in one year the girls results like at the end of a year or the end of the term their assessment wasn't really great so we took time to ask the girls and what problems or what challenges they were facing for not getting good grades so from the different challenges that they listed menstruation was one of them to say they don't have proper sanitary wear to use so our director co-director karen uh she uh lobbied for different type of sanitary wear from people around the world and then people donated the disposable uh pads so and then with years progressing she thought to say well this environment where we're in uh, the the disposable pads as much as we have them the disposal way is not very eco friendly here because when you dispose them we don't know what is going to happen to the wildlife for example mm. so she came up with an idea of coming up with reusable pa- sanitary towels so she uh, traveled out to different women from girls aging at 12 up to somewhere around uh, 45 and then it proved that um, 
it was going to work best in this area. So the project started in 2015, and then uh, the, the the pads would be made in the shop. And then when, because this is a tourism area, so we we'll have a tourist coming from all over the world, they'll come in our craft shop, and then we explain to them how the project started. And then we, um, those who were attached so much with the girls missing out school, started buying the washable reusable sanitary towels from our craft shop, mm. and then donating them back to the project. Mm. So when we have a collection of these parts, then we go out in schools and then donate to the girls. So we don't really just go out in the schools and say, well, girls, we've got the answer to read. Here you go. Yeah. Here are the parts. But we do a session with them. But before we talk to the girls, mm. we know that these girls, where they come from, they are people who are like above them when it comes to traditional aspect. Mm. So they are women we call in our local language, Alangizi. Uh, in English, we can call them the traditional initiators. So these women actually, like in my culture, when I start my periods, I can go to my mother and say, well, I've started my periods. Mm. She will be like, oh my God, what is wrong with you? So oh. she will send me to somebody else to give me possible a lecture to say this is how you wear your pad and what have you. So yeah. it's uncalled for in my culture to talk to my mother direct about my menses. So somebody else will talk to me. So these traditional initiators, they are the custodians of like teaching you all the hygienic part, how you can wear the pads and how you can look after yourself as a girl and all that type of a thing. Mm. So we thought it wise to say if we don't involve them, then our project will fail yeah. because it will take them back to say, well, these things they don't work and what have you but we've involved them on board where we have a session with them and then we ask them the challenges that the girls face and then they not until when they say um proper sanitary wear is one of the problems that girls face when going to school and then we come up with a box of pads and say we've got this what do you think about this can it help and then when the alangizi say yes it would help mm. then we say okay so Maybe this could be one of the solutions. Then yeah. we bring them out. And then we have a different session with the girls. We talk through with them on where periods come from because it's not really easy for some people to understand what is happening, the changes in their mm. bodies. Mm. So we, we have these uh, good sessions with them. They ask questions. Why do periods come twice in a month? How do I calculate my circles? So all oh, this yeah. uh, this type of information come out in that session. Yeah. And then we show them how the pads are made. And then we explain how to care for the pads and how they can help them to attend uh, classes like every day of a month. Mm. So in the end of the session, we always say every day is a good day for as long as you've got pads to use and you can attend classes. Oh, yeah. So, so that's it the goal, to be able to stay in school. To stay in school, yeah. So I think uh, from the documentation by uh, uh, people calling me the menstrual champion, mm. it's, I feel... It's 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 uh it's changed with me because I also had little information about periods. For me, my growing up uh, periods were not really something positive that I looked forward to. Not until I got to learn more about them and mm. then ask other girls how they feel about periods. Mm. So we shared all this platform where we had to air out all this negative energy about periods and then. 
we said, wait a minute. If there were no periods, we were not all going to be here. It starts, exactly. everything starts <laughs> at puberty. And when you start your periods, that's a reproductive stage. Mm. So if we're not going to be repro- reproducing, then nobody's ever going to exist. Exactly. So periods are a wonderful thing. So because I've been championing to say it's a good thing to have your periods. It's wonderful. And I also feel wonderful because, I mean, I'm so glad I menstruate. And I'm so proud of myself because, I mean, I bleed without any violence. So. Yeah. It's not really easy out there for people to embrace it, but one step at a time, yeah, we're becoming champions. Yeah. yeah, and embrace your period. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, <laughs> but you said that you you didn't want to have your period when you were young. Yeah. Why? I think when I was growing up, when I was about nine or ten-ish years old, uh, my mom had this old uh, friend of hers who used to come to our place. And it's like both her and my mother, they looked forward to my periods. And just behind the curtains, they used to discuss on how they were going to put me in a secluded house and or a room where nobody would have access to me. And then all these negative thoughts of when you grow up, you are a woman and all that type of a thing. So when my period started, I think I was going into the 10th grade, um, this woman really rejoiced and I mean, I came back home and then I was told now you're all grown up, you're a woman, you're not supposed to be close to your father, you're not supposed to be playing with any other kids because now you are a full grown woman. So this information really left me very puzzled because I couldn't connect. Mm. In my mind, I was still a child yeah. and what had really just changed in me was the periods. Mm. So it really said so much negative energy in me and it also had uh, a negative impact on my self-esteem because I was like, wait a minute, one moment I feel I'm a child and then the next moment somebody is telling me to say I'm a woman. So I'm just like left in the middle of nowhere to say, who am I? Am I a girl or am I a woman? So, I mean, having a Toward all this negative type of information, even if to them it sounded so positive. But as I've grown now, I've mm. come to realize to say, if you channel a certain type of information that is not at the correct time, it brings the negative energy in someone and can just trample on their uh, self-esteem. So... With me, I've been championing good menstrual hygiene as well as passing on positive information to girls to embrace their periods simply because I had a rough time growing up and dealing with all these uh, menstrual issues and just been in the middle of nowhere to figure out who exactly I was. So I've been so very much happy in the safe spaces which we have with the girls, sharing with them the positive uh, information about how wonderful they should feel to have a periods, that they are still children, even if they've started their menses, mm. that they should not even look forward to them becoming women because life is one step at a time. There'll come yeah. a time when they will become women and they'll be like feeling very wonderful and yeah. living their age. So sometimes in our culture, we are told not to leave our age Oh. You grow up faster than you yeah. expect to. So all your childhood things, you forget about them. You don't enjoy the play because somebody has told you to say, 
For as long as you've studied periods, you are a woman. But yeah. look at somebody who is only 13, for example, who mm. is only 14. Mm. How do they handle the womanhood in their life? Mm, yeah. Exactly. So having the peri- your period mm. is like all these expectations exactly. of becoming a woman is yeah. brought upon and you yeah. and you're not ready for it. Yeah. And do you think that's a reason why you don't talk about menses that much? It's like a taboo subject mm-hmm. here, right? It is because um, we've been taught to say you are not supposed to speak about menses in public, for example. It has been a very secretive thing. So I'll also share my example. When I started my periods, my grandmother always told me to say, you have to put all your underwears or everything in a very secluded place. Okay. Nobody has to see them. And then she told me to say, if, for example, one of your brothers or any male in the family, they came across the stained blood mm. coming from you, they'll mm. be blind. Blind? Yeah. So, oh. I mean... The, in the other way, she just meant that I should be hygienic. Yeah, okay. But the way she channeled that information to me, it was like, oh my God, I don't want my father to be blind. No. I don't want my brothers to be blind. Yeah. So, I mean, there's been all these uh, secretive or proverbs type of a way of channeling what periods are all about. Mm. And then even the men, if you talk to them about periods, they'll just say, oh, that's a woman issue. You don't have to talk about it. And then you can't really have all this freedom to even say, I'm on my periods because there's so much myths and misconceptions alluded to it. And then one of the other ways, like the older generation that we have noticed that somebody had started their periods because we are taught to say, you don't have to add any salt in your cooking. Because Mm -hmm. if you're on your menses, you add Mm -hmm. salt in your cooking and Mm -hmm. then you affect all the males, they'll have this core for the rest of their lives. For the rest of their lives. Exactly. So if you don't want people to suffer from such things, you just have this negative thing to say. I mean, periods are something that is very negative. You just feel, well, because of my periods, I made maybe my brother to suffer from this cough, or I made my father to suffer from this cough, or maybe I exposed all this blood because my brother or whoever is male in the family has become blind and whatsoever. So there's so much of that negative type of information, which might mean well, but because of all this secretive type of uh, of an arrangement, they've made people to feel, well, periods are the worst thing in the world. Yeah. And some of the girls feel, well, when you have your periods, you are ill. You know, you have mm. a certain type of a sickness. Mm. Just like yesterday, we went to this school and then I asked the girls to say, where do periods come from? And most of them were say, oh, well, they come from the stomach. And then we took mm. time to show all these pictures, the internal part of the vagina, and showing them the uterus to say yeah. this is what happens in the body and this is how the egg moves. And when mm. it's not fertilized, it becomes periods. Not until unlocking that information to them did they realize to say periods are not sickness it's just a natural way of a certain process happening in your body yeah so we had these girls coming out in the open saying well i don't really look forward to have them because i have back aches and whatever and then i'm like well do you love your teeth to be white and then the the girls will say yes. Do you want to have long hair? They mm. say yes. So mm. why aren't you happy having your periods? They say, oh well, because they come with backaches and whatever. And then we had to oh. talk about all those backaches, how you can deal with them. Yeah. And then they understood to say it's something that is within me that I can deal with that is not really 
uh, a bad thing, but it's a good thing to have them around. Yeah. So there are so many myths and misconceptions, but if you bring out the health perspective, just the basic information to everyone and everyone understands the basic information, mm, okay. then you are good to go. Yeah. Because people who connect everything to say, I mean, this is a physical thing. It's got nothing to do with making somebody blind. There's no biology connected to it. It's just a thing that is happening to the women. Mm. And it's a good thing to happen to the women because, yeah. I mean, it's part of us growing up and we are, we are, we, we know we reproduce. So we need to have the periods. If we don't have them, yeah. Yeah. nothing good will come out of us exactly so, yeah. it's very natural and <laughs> exactly you need to talk about it to be yeah. able to cross these barriers mm -hmm. that you're facing mm -hmm. um, but it's very interesting to hear what women and girls think of periods yeah. and what type of questions do they ask you mm -hmm. so the questions range from why do periods come twice in a month for example And then they also say, why is it not an illness? If you're saying it's not an illness, can you justify that? And then most of them now, they've come to realize to say, I mean, the way we've been taught the other generations before us, they've all known to say it has been like something that is very dirty. And people opt to use like dirty type of uh, uh, um, sanitary wear to say they don't really mind because it's just some blood thing coming out of a vagina which is very dirty. Mm -hmm. So not until when we tell them the health complications of using, for example, the dirty materials that they come across, mm -hmm. that people will ever embrace to say it's a good thing that happens to me, even if it's coming out as red as it can be mm. is something that is very 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 good mm. so i mean in our sessions things range from helping everyone to understand to say if you don't use the proper sanitary way the clean towels then you likely to have uh, infection in your vagina in which it will bring a huge complication mm -hmm. because believe you me no one has ever done a vagina transplant no no that's once not it possible. has exactly <laughs> once it has infections then that's it yeah it's damaged you will never have a brand new one no, so exactly. i always tell the girls to say i mean you need to embrace it it's the only thing that makes you different with the males so if you're mm. not going to clean it properly you're not going to look after it with proper hygienic things to use I mean, it's just going to damage. Yeah. And if it damages, I mean, we'll just wait for you to bury you and then that'll mm. be it. Mm. So I think the approach and the talks that we have with the girls, showing them the positive side of everything, I think it's made a very huge difference. Because I asked one of these girls the other time, I said, how many people wash hands before they change a pad? Yeah. Like, washing hands? I said, yeah. Why? I said, I mean, your hands touch a lot of things and they can collect a lot of bacteria. Yeah. You can have a clean pad, but if you touch it with dirty hands, there's a possibility that you're going to transfer those uh, bacteria on that pad. You wear it for about six or eight hours mm. and then you have a bacterial infection and then you get surprised to say, why am I feeling itchy and all the like. So I've just been yeah. telling even some other women to say, I mean, wash your hands before you change your pads. Exactly. You wash your hands before you have your food. You can as well wash your hands before you change your yeah, pads. It's so a very simple thing. Exactly. To, so exactly. That they don't but, know. I mean, people always say prevention is better than cure. 
before exactly. I can go and have all these uh, vaginal swabs and the like, yeah. I'm better off preventing myself than me going to see a gynecologist like every time of a man. Mm. Produce this sanitary pad mm-hmm. called what? What do you call it? So we call it ufulu. Ufulu is a nyanja word. In English, it means freedom. So we feel girls need to have the freedom to be in class, to play sport, even attend any other activities. Like periods should not put a full stop to their life. Mm. Periods are a good thing, and they need to have the proper wear. So ufulu. Is life to the girls. Ufulu is a way to express themselves. Ufulu gives them the opportunity to stay in class and raise up their hand to say, I'm also counted in it. So, yeah. Yeah. And what, I mean, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. And it's such a good word for it because they are free to do whatever mm-hmm. they want to do. Yeah. I mean, how, what kind of stuff did they use before the pad? So the different other things that they use, so most of them range from uh, using a cotton cloth. So if my mother or my grandmother or my auntie sees uh, that I'm about to start my periods, they'll prepare a special uh, chitenge material that they will cut into pieces. So those pieces, they can be less absorbent they can absorb but they can't hold more Mm. so those types of clothes they'll just fold them and then they use them so some of the girls they feel embarrassed for example if you're in class maybe that cloth is not really stable on your pants because it ranges from people not even having underwears to wear that cloth with so they'll just use a string and then tie it in your waist and then once you're sitting in class it can easily fall off and like so they use that. And then some of them, they 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 told me to say, um, there's this one girl we met, I think, two years ago. Uh, we went to her school to go and give out the pads. And then we asked her to say, what have you used before, before we bring out these full of pads? And then she was like, nothing. Oh, I don't nothing. have underwear. I don't have anything. Well, and she grew, Not even an underwear. And then she grew up in this family where they're all males. And then both her parents are dead, and then the uncle takes her ah. in, and then she's got all these male cousins. Yeah. Nobody to share with how she feels about her menses. Mm. So all she could do was sit in this small room when she messes up, and then she goes in this outside bathroom, mm. and then she cleans herself. She's back again in that room just like that. So for five days that she bled, she would not go to school because she's got nothing to change or yeah. something to absorb her blood. Yeah. So it ranges from people using just a cloth to somebody not having anything just to clean themselves with water to 
some of them picking because here there are some subsistence farmers that grow cotton. So some of them will just go in the field and pick pick that cotton, oh. which is not really properly processed no. because <laughs> it's got like the direct chemicals and the like. Yeah. They'll pick it and then they use it because they can't really afford to buy these disposable pads, for example, in the shops. Even the disposable pads, it's just now that uh, in this area we have a variety of them. But in the past, like five years ago, you'd rarely have this commodity around in the shops. Mm. But even if it's available, few individuals or few few family members will prioritize buying pads for the girls. So oh. people will say, well, how much is a pack? We'll say it's $2. Mm. So if they look at $2, how much food can they buy in $2 that they can buy parts for this girl every month? Mm. So people will lay down options to say, well, you can just sort yourself out. After it's just three days of a month or two days of a month, you can still survive. Yeah. We need food to eat. Uh-huh. So it, this is what is even prompting us as a, an organization to involve the male in it. Mm. To exactly. say, the fathers to say, on your to-do list, as you are budgeting to have the mess meal to kugushima, the cooking oil and the like, the pads are also very important because, well, this girl or this woman, she will never have a vagina transplant. So if the men also think in that line, Mm. they'll say, well, it's very important if I can buy the pads for the women. And we also talk to them about the ufulu pads and say, okay, I'd rather buy something that they will wash very comfortable and reuse it for the next two years. And then we save the cost even. Exactly. And it's very eco-friendly. Exactly. And I mean, it's quite cheap if you use it for four years. Yeah. 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 Um, But what do you think... It's clear that you have some issues here in Zambia mm-hmm. uh, with fighting the um, taboo, mm-hmm. um, things about menses and the cultural issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what do you think is the solution? Well, we cannot have a one-size-fits solution to it, but one of them could be the involvement of a male, for example. Let them understand what menses are all about. Because... Some of the boys will say like, oh, well, it's just a dirty thing that the girls have. Oh, well, girls who have menses, they smell bad. Mm. So not until we, when we involve the other uh, sex into it, that they get to understand to say, we also want to be heard in a very positive way on whatever goes on in our bodies. When they understand, I feel that is one of the solutions. Mm. Because some of the boys will even say, oh, well, if my, I see my sister is not really coming out of the room, maybe she doesn't have proper sanitary wear to use. Yeah. I don't have to force her to cook. Mm. As a boy, I can also cook. They'll mm. cook for the family. So there's different uh, aspects in which we can tackle this issue. Mm. So the issue of the taboos, the myths and misconceptions, it comes because we also, the females, have got a role to play because we've embraced the myth and say, oh, well, this is how it has been. We also need to unlock certain things within us. Mm. We need to accept the fact that we are females can bleed without violence and it's a good thing. And then the male will say, yes, it's a good thing. But if I, the person who is experiencing that, has got all this negative energy, how is somebody else who doesn't experience it going to build the positive energy in it? So it takes also change within us females to mm. say, well, this is not something that is bad. Wait a minute, this is not a case. 
I can still add salt to my cooking. Nothing is going to happen. I can still hang out my things. Even if somebody came across them, there's nothing that is going to happen with them for as long as I make people understand. But bearing in mind that I should not trade on the traditional aspects within my my parameters. So there are certain things that we can voice out to the community that the community is going to embrace mm. because people have got mixed feelings over things. But when you take things one step at a time, how they feel and what solutions you have, I think we are all good to go because, I mean, we cannot just stay in this negative environment and still progressing it and progressing it and progressing it. I mean, the progress is going to be inevitable. But we need to have a positive uh, and a brighter future and say, well, we believed in this, but I think this is going to bring a good change if the other girls in the generations that are coming can feel positive in it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's a very long process yeah. and you have to involve also the men to mm -hmm. be able to achieve change mm -hmm. and it will take probably years yeah, yeah. to get where you want to, what you want to achieve. Yeah. And what what inspires you to do what you do? Uh, the most thing that inspires me is the fact that I think in the beginning I said I didn't have anybody who could listen to me. That was like uh, there was a certain angry voice within me to say, why are people not listening? So I said, if people are not going to listen, I have to listen. So yeah. change started within me. I said, oh, I'm going to be a social worker. And I must say, when I decided to be a social worker, everybody in my family was like, you're going to be poor for the rest of your life because you're a charity. <laughs> so I was like, oh my God, I'll prove everyone wrong. Yeah. That it doesn't really mean that if you are a social worker, you just like available, you are just this horrible person and like. So I think so far, so good. Uh, what has really inspired me is the fact that I've seen positive women in my life as well. There's been women who've been positive uh, before uh, my growing up, and I embrace all the talks and the advocacy that they have done in the past. And I thought maybe with them being positive, I think I need to carry on with the flag of being positive as well. So it has really helped me to say, I can also do it. I can also be uh, a positive impact in somebody else's life. So I think... There have been a lot of women, my mother, my grandparents, and the other women within the community like that I grew up I grew up with. They've also championed the good things to happen within the community. So I gather that sense of uh, positivity and inspiration from them, as well as the women that I've seen like in the other communities where where I've gone to. They've had all these positive impacts in their life. They can share the experiences. And even just my sisters, because uh, I come from a family where I've got six sisters and uh, three brothers. So it's been like everyone has my back and then there's been a lot of inspiration around. Yeah. Yeah, so you had a lot of female role models in your life. Exactly. It sounds like I mean, they showed you the way. Yeah. But what what choices have you made in your life that have taken you this far 
So the 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 first choice has been seeing the girl uh, standing out tall in a very positive way. So we saying we need girls who are going to be educated, but also inspiring other girls. So if we educate all these girls and then they, you know, there's a positive and a negative way to everything. Some girls they become all educated, but. Uh, they use their education in a negative way. Or some girls, they become educated and they use it in a very positive way. Mm. So I feel that I should continue doing whatever I'm doing because I'm building these girls who are getting an education, formal and informal, and then, uh, you know, inspiring other girls in the community to say, through these maybe uh, self-space meetings that I attended, I've become this. So in the last three years that I've been here, I've seen girls who were in like in their ninth grade, who are in college or university at the moment in Lusaka, who still phone me back to say, I mean, all those assertiveness, decision-making, self-esteem sessions that I had when I was in secondary school. Yeah. In your session, they really helped me and they are helping me at the moment because I'm just becoming a girl who I wanted to be because of your inspiration. So it really adds up to me and saying, wow, I'm growing up to be this positive woman. But even the boys also, they're being courageous. And I mean, it's not really easy for a male to open up their emotional status point of view. I've, um, with the boys, we've helped each other to deal with anger issues because in this area, there's also the issue of violence. Gender-based mm. violence is very high. So with them getting to understand how violence comes up and how they can deal with anger and all the like, I mean, it really brings so much positive energy to me to say, well, I'm just grooming good husbands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like you're... You have the power to change people's lives mm -hmm. and you're a source of inspiration. Yeah. And you went to the UN yes. to talk about these subjects, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. How was that like? So, well, at first I was like a bit nervous and then like, oh my God, am I even... People, uh, people are going to listen to me when I talk about menstrual health and men. So I was the <laughs> last speaker and then I'm like... It's I'm not going common to in, the, in the same sentence, right? Menstrual yeah. health and, and men. men. No? And then people were like, what is she talking about? <laughs> and then I talked about how we've involved the boys in it. And then in the end, I just had everybody applauding to say, oh, girl, you're so brave. Yeah, you really are brave. And then I had this uh, gentleman who works for the UN Women. He's one of the directors there. And then he's like, I mean, you're just doing the He For She campaign mm -hmm. in your area where you are. Mm -hmm. You just convinced these men to say, it's good to talk about this in a very positive way. Mm -hmm. So, I mean... Some other lady came towards me and said, have you ever watched the Padman film, the film from India? I'm like, oh my God, I've not watched it. I've just heard of it. She said, you just sound like the Padman <laughs> because you're just out there advocating for good menstrual hygiene and involving mm -hmm. the male in it. And then it's a, it's a very uh, touching thing for me. And I mean, it felt so small, not until I got feedback from people to say, this is a great thing that you've just done. So... It's really built me to some extent, and 
I felt it was easy in the beginning, but I mean, it's something that is great. I'm also seeing the results through to say. Mm. What would you wish for in the future? What would your ideal society look like? I think my ideal society is to see um, more girls and more women talk openly about the periods and some of the things that really affect us during our menses. And um, seeing a lot of these girls also uh, using the correct products, for example, the clean ones that can be accessible to them. I just wish for a world where every girl could have access to them, you know. I know people on social media have been saying, well, condoms are free, uh, pads are being sold, why don't you do the other way around? Mm. Personally, mm. I feel there was a cause to making the condoms to be free. Mm. There was a purpose to it. Mm. So if we are going to champion for the free pads, we should not do comparisons. Mm. We should just say there's a call for girls and women to use proper sanitary towels and yeah. not do comparisons. Because the moment we start comparing things, we are all in a fighting mode. Mm. And if you're in a fighting mode, you always want to win the battle. Mm. But if you can't win the battle, you always be angry for the rest of your life. So all I can say is that if we are championing for the free pads, we should not do comparisons. Mm. But we should just put up a cause to say, why are we championing these free pads? These are the reasons girls are not or women are not going to have vaginal transplants in future. Yeah. This is why we need free prats so yeah. that they can always have this clean environment within their bodies. Mm. They don't need a dirty cloth. Mm. They don't need this used cloth already. They don't need to pick out the, the cotton in their fields, which is not properly processed. So, I mean, all the women out there, if we can think for a good cause and champion it and not compare it with any other thing that has been happening. We all go to go. Yeah. And I just wish for everyone to have a happy period. <laughs> have a happy period. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that would be great to have a happy period. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But how, how, what do you feel is the best way to empower women? Is it through the period, through the menses, or through education, or is it all connected? I think it's all connected at some point. Because, I mean, periods are the things that we experience. And if we don't have the positive information, we won't stand out at all out there. Because I know the people who have been to school and what have you, but they're still treating periods to be a secretive thing. So if we can only break the thing of it's a very, very secretive thing to saying it's something that is happening to all of us and very good, I think the education and whatever we're experiencing, they all meet at a point at a certain level. Mm. So I think if we can combine both, the 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 reason why we need to talk about this and just making the women or the girls feel very much embraced in it and saying it's a wow thing to have, then I think we're good to go. So women, if only we can break the th the, the thing of... It's a bad thing that is happening to us. We also have a certain role to play in it. If we open up, we're not saying we should force every woman to open up, but one step at a time, people open up. If you give them the platform to talk how they feel, but if you tell them what you what you want them to feel, they will tell you exactly what you want to hear. Mm. But by involving them, they will say exactly how they feel. Mm. And by not saying, oh, well, you felt wrong. But saying, I mean, you feel this, but what do you think about this? Yeah. There's another solution to it. How do you feel? I mean, it makes life easy. 
even the men, for them to have a seat on the table of the women, they need to be aware of what is happening to the women. Even the women, if we want to have a seat on the men's table, the men need to be aware of what is happening to the women. Because if we're just pushing our chairs to the table, I mean, it brings a lot of chaos and confusion. Mm. But I mean, we need to understand each other from the level of education. What type of information are we having? And who is talking to us? And who is listening to us? And how is this person channeling the information? I think the most important thing is opening up a discussion and let everyone say out their voice. It really adds up. But if I just stand in front of everyone to say, I mean, you all need proper sanitary wear to use, people are just going to say, wow, we can't afford that. Mm. And then all the information that I have will just like go in vain, mm. even if it's going to be very great. Mm. Yeah. Exactly. And I like what you said, that conversations mm. makes it easy if you say what you feel and if you talk about it, it mm. makes life, it make life easier. Easy. Yeah. That's beautiful. <laughs> and... Um, as a summary, uh, what would you like to say to uh, girls or women that listen to this? So I would encourage the girls um, out there who have uh, access to proper sanitary wear to say every day is a good day for them. They've got access and they should also have a feel that there are some girls out there who don't have access, but they should celebrate the girls who don't have access to proper sanitary wear, I would say it's not the end of the world. I've spoken out. People have heard. And then something will come out, mm. obviously. Mm. Something positive one day will come up. Mm. And I feel the girls who don't have the access to, who have access to because we're championing for a good cause. Mm. And to all the women there who've been... Uh, putting up the good cause to happy periods for every girl and every woman in the world. I think I would encourage all of us that we put one positive goal together and then one step at a time, we're going to have happy periods for everybody. Oh, (laughs) one step at a time, happy periods for everybody. I think that will have to summarize this episode. So embrace your period, right? Yeah. 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 (laughs) Thank you so much for being a part of this podcast, Philanda. Thank you very much, Beatrice, for having me. I mean, it's not really been easy, but thanks so much for having me around. I know people have access to this information and it will be great. And continue doing what you do. Thank you. You're good at (laughs) what you do. Thank you. Okay. Thank you so much. Ah!
Our perspectives are always limited by how much we know. So how do we choose the information we are receiving? And do we really understand it? What is influencing us? And who are we letting in to speak to our hearts? Visit withsisters.org to act with us to empower locally and inspire globally. This podcast is brought to you by With Hoof, a house to host great ideas, stories and people.